Live from Los Angeles, this is L.A. Talk Radio, broadcasting for the seventh year. You're listening to All About Guitar with Jeff Loro, only on L.A. Talk Radio. instrument. It has developed into an incredible voice in today's music. So many types of guitars, so many styles of playing, all sorts of gear. How does one make their voice be heard as a guitarist? My name is Jeff Floro and welcome to All About Guitar where we talk tone, we talk technique, we talk gear. Where we discover how we can become better musicians in a world of constantly changing technologies. Where we take a good look at everything guitar. And sometimes not exactly guitar, but just as important. So we can be more successful as a musician in today's music scene. So sit back and relax, and let's explore All About Guitar. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to All About Guitar. We have a great show for tonight. It's great to have old friends back in the studio. Uh, <laughs> joining me as my co-host is Monique Caravello. Hey, hey, hey. And it's great to have you back in, in, in here. But another very close friend and dear friend and a great guitar player. And much to her chagrin, I always say she's the best wah-wah player. She does some really tasty wah-wah leads. But she's the guitarist for Lynette Skinnerd, uh, Kathy Lauer. And, but she's more than that. She, um, she also is part of Tone Zone LA, and she builds custom pedal boards and rack mount systems. Uh, so today, we're not going to talk about her amazing guitar playing today. We're going to talk about a case study that she did where she just built a new pedal board for a great artist. And I'm going to let, I'm going to, uh, welcome to the show. It's great to have you back. But I want you to kind of set the story up of, because the guy that you built this pedal board for is a very significant historic figure in our music scene. Yes, he is. Thanks for having me back, Jeff. It's great to be here. You too, Mo. Yeah, it's like family. <laughs> it is. Well, it, this is uh, the artist he Jeff is talking about is Guitar Shorty, and uh, he's a legendary blues artist. And oddly enough, uh, earlier this year in uh, February... Uh, we shared the stage with uh, we meaning Lynette Skinner uh, shared the stage with Guitar Shorty for a benefit at the Arcadia Blues Club and and I do remember catching some uh, Guitar Shorty set and really enjoying his playing and stuff but I was unaware of his tone and technique and um, his actual pedal board Uh a few months later, I got a call from his tech, Paul Morty, and uh, he was calling one of our ads that we usually have, and he uh, asked, um, he had an artist, uh, 
and he said it was Guitar Shorty that was in need of a pedal board, and he explained the situation. And uh, some of you may know this story out there or not, but I'll go through it with you. Uh, uh, At least a couple months back, he someone broke in and stole his van touring van and uh, trailer and both vehicles happened to have a majority of his equipment meaning guitars and amps and some of the bands to put nearly almost everything that he currently used to make a living and um, including some uh, instruments that were, you know, irreplaceable, giving to uh, him from um, Leo Fender, wow. and um, and well, you know, having suffered the same fate at a much earlier uh, time in my history. I was immediately sympathetic towards this and wanted to be part of it and you know and I was really happy that Paul had called me and I says yeah um I would love to do this and he put me in touch with uh, guitar shorty and I remember the first moments talking to him on the phone this was a person who was definitely lost because everything he you know that he knew and he was comfortable with making a living music with um was suddenly gone and i could immediately identify with that and definitely wanted to help and so you know little by little we had a couple of phone conversations and finally i i got together with him and um and we decided what we were going to put on the board, and I gave him a number of options to modernize his board. Um, Now, before you go into the design of the board, and and I want you to go into what his original board was so you get an idea of what his original, because we have a picture that I'm going to post up after the show that we'll put up there so you can see the before and after. But give some of the people that are not familiar with him, because he has a significant point in history of music because he influenced somebody that influenced all of us i want you to tell the story um guitar shorty is well first of all he's played with he was in ray charles band that Mm -hmm. i know and uh guitar slim um and he's jammed with people like t-bone walker and um and I'd have to look at notes here to remember the number of people and it's been significant through the ages but what I didn't know about this till I was involved working with him is that he had married Jimi Hendrix's half sister mm-hmm. and became part literally as part of the Hendrix family and um according to history Jimi Hendrix used to well, if, if you know Jimi Hendrix I mean he was in the military and he used to go AWOL to actually go see Guitar Shorty play because he was influenced <laughs> by him. And uh. it was Guitar Shorty that um, uh, gave Jimi Hendrix his first, or introduced him to his first Wawa pedal and loaned it to him till he could get his own. 
<laughs> that's quite a lineage oh, for yeah. uh, that's a major influence. <laughs> yes. And I think that would have scared the bejeebies out of me, you know, <laughs> had I known it prior. But he is really a sweet, down to earth, uh, very humble person. Um, with a quiet genius going on, right. and and that's how he struck me as a as a player and a musician, mm-hmm. and um, with his g- expansive life experience, he's really a sharp guy, and he does know guitar and he does know tone really well, um, and he's very particular, mm-hmm. and that. St- was what struck me with my first meeting with Guitar Shorty is just how specific he is. Um, uh, And even though he kind of couldn't explain it in technical details, which is not really his job anyway, but he could definitely point me in the direction and school me on tone and where he was going with it. Right. And... I went out and ask you was is the well, let's go through what he did he build his own original pedal board was that his own thing or did somebody I, make that for him I I think it was he had help uh you know at least getting the pedals on there in some semblance of order but I think a lot of the signal chain is his creation his mm-hmm. idea um be, and and I'll explain how I know that as we discussed his new board. Um, he was he had his stuff on um you know just a, one of these commercial all in one kind of boards with a case and the Velcro and the little power supply you know um, that it was a company he was you know endorsed by and they you know they supplied him with it. But I think he was he was looking to get a cut above that because he 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 is a working musician he's on the road so it it really the picture i saw and the explanation after talking to his tech you could tell that um this situation wasn't really working out too well for him it was a real problem to set up night after night it was their things were moving around pedals were getting damaged so it was time to modernize it a little bit and and have it in a little bit better uh um semblance of order well what was he what was he using what was his signal chain and what was he using that you saw what did they tell you well the major thing and this is uh, you see the photo and you see is the morley pedal he has a morley a vintage morley power wall with the boost and um if you've been around as a guitar player, as some of us in this room have, these are familiar pedals to you from the 1970s, and um, and uh, they're big, they're chrome. Um, this particular one that I'm talking about has an AC cord attached to mm-hmm. it, which is a text nightmare, you know, when you're building a board <laughs> and stuff, but... Uh, Nonetheless, it is what it is. And, um, you know, during the 70s, Morley made a number of what they termed the power wall. And um, the power wall is a little misleading in the sense that it's just a wah-wah pedal. It actually is a volume pedal as well. So when you don't engage the wah, you're 
the pedal is actually performing is a volume pedal. And I, the, his particular pedal had the boost on it, which isn't incredibly rare. They're, they're definitely out there. Um, um, and there are different, there are versions that just have the power wah and no boost. There are versions that have a, a phase shifter in it, and I think I we even came across one that had a flanger, and then some that are just behave like a volume pedal uh, solely. So, um, so this was the that was the main. I looked at the photo and you know, looked at the pedal and go, okay, well, there's got to be a reason he's using that pedal. And, um, and then some of the stuff, you know, I recognized, I recognized, uh, the Octavio pedal, which is, uh, the re the Dunlap's reissuing the Jimi Hendrix original, mm-hmm. um, Octave Fuzz, um, um, you know, saw a couple other pedals I recognize in there, a Boss Flanger and, a, you know, a couple other Boss pedals in there, too. The, his, uh, um, like, a Super Shifter. And, right. Um, um, and then, you know, and there were some pedals that we added that were not in the picture. And, you know, and, and you know, because Paul, his tech, uh, his amp tech, was trying to provide me an idea of his signal chain and he was looking for a photograph thus the picture right i I noticed in the photograph and i'm showing that to you right now he has two morley pedals there was that just a spare or was did he actually have two in the chain no he had a spare and um he everything went from left to right because he's left footed and um (laughs) And if you if you look in the photo, he has a, a whammy pedal. Now I'm yeah. thinking, wow, this is a, a blues player, and I'm looking at a whammy pedal. I'm going, what does he do with the whammy pedal? <laughs> I know what I would like to do with the whammy pedal, but I'm thinking, how does he use this? Okay, you know, it's like, all right, we're this is this is going to be fun, and. And, 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 you know, other things, you know, in the, the picture and, you know, uh, looked. Because he's using a, let's see, he's using a digital, this is what's in the picture that I'll be posting. He's got the whammy pedal, then he has a digital delay, a flanger, and this looks like all boss. Right. A harmonizer and a compression sustainer. And an Ottawa. Ottawa. And then the Morley, Morley power supply, right? That's right. Yeah. Everything was powered from the um, the Morley. And what amps was he using? What did the tech say? Um, Guitar Shorty is a fan of the 1980s Fender Red Knob Twins. Oh wow! Um, and he, they are, they are. Uh, that's what Paul does for him. They, he has a modified. I don't specifically know what the uh the the mods are but um they are definitely tailored to his style and what mm-hmm. he does and um you know if you're familiar with the 1980s fender red knob twins you either really like them or 
you really don't. Well, it looks like from this pedal board that he would, there was no distortion unit that I saw here. So he probably, with the boost, he was breaking up the amp, right? He was breaking up the amp. Okay. That, um, um, he has, well, he, he does use the octave fuzz. And what's not on that picture that he was using currently at that time was he has a second Dunlap Jimi Hendrix fuzz, a JH dash s3s what's his main guitar um he he likes he's a gnl user and there's strats and some have a 60 cycle you know single coil pickups others have like you know duncan rails in their humbuckers in them too um uh, but he's a big fan of gnl um and the guitars that were that were stolen were they GNLs? Um, they were GNLs. So Leo had given them the, the, wow. the nice guitar. The Strats are he calls one red or something. Red, yeah. yeah. So they never recovered any of the gear. They have not recovered. They they are still looking. When did this happen? This was about at least a couple of months ago, uh, approximately, um, and. Uh, it was lit out in front of where you know uh, uh, where he was uh, living. So you know this was a local ro- it was a local robbery, um, and um, they were stolen from his from his house. You said or from the everything. Vehicles? This is this is a lesson for all of you kitties out there. Uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket because that's how this stuff all got taken simultaneously yeah. uh, they were all in the van in uh, the trailer yeah, and yeah, he yeah, never yeah. recovered the trailer he did get the van back but it was of course empty um, but the trailer and its contents were not were not recovered as, as of this uh, moment right now um, we, we do have you know people and you know relative information like serial numbers that were that are trying to help him get it back and god willing he does so um but um social media it really helps with some of the yeah well let us know too also i'll post that on the facebook page will do serial numbers or any other pictures of his original gear uh we'll post it up there because you'd be surprised people spot it yeah I, i usually post something called the scumbag alert when people get gear ripped off I, yeah you know that's and that's, it works. I've seen. I'll see what I can do about getting you the serial numbers. Yeah, please. Now do. here's the. Um, I'm handing her a picture of the. So because she sent me a picture of the old and then now the new pedal board, which has a lot more pedals on it. And uh, so yes, explain it does. explain what you did. Actually, go through what you have on the pedal board, and then why you went there. Well, when I went over to uh, Shorty's um, place and was collecting the gear to begin work on his pedal board he just kept pulling more pedals out and i said well this is definitely more than what the picture had uh he goes yep here you go here's another one and the compressor was added to it uh the tube screamer was added to the signal chain um he happened to have a digital tuner that he he owned it, and I said, do you want to use it? And he says, yeah, why not? <laughs> and then I said, yeah, why not? I mean, it's like, um, and then he pulled out a second flanger and a, a second harmonizer. 
And um, I said, do you want me to choose between uh, the, <clears throat> each flanger and each harmonizer here or pitch shifting? And he says, no. And he showed me kind of how he wanted to use them. And I says, you want them all on there? And I'm, okay, we can do that. And he does use them. He uses the pitch shifters and the flangers as a pair simultaneously. So he runs them together into each other or they split. So he'll take his foot and actually engage the pitch shifting and the flanger, that pair, together. That's why they're arranged flanger, uh, super shifter, flanger. Harmony but does he, he has two sets for two different settings so that he exactly can, right. okay, and that became apparent to me after when I delivered the board exactly how he uses this stuff, which literally was jaw dropping for me. I'd never seen anybody do this before, <laughs> um, and the compressor was at. I well, I take that back. The compressor I think was the other blue pedal in the the picture you have mm-hmm. from before. So. That and he, we, in, I asked him, I says, look, why don't we incorporate the amps foot switch too on there as well? Uh, that way you don't have to have it off to the side. Uh, of course, the Morley and the Whammy pedal. And he, and he also has a Morley AB switch for both amps. Right, that's the the one on the bottom. And then you right. have the you have the Octavia, and then there's a black pedal next to the uh, Tube Screamer. What's that one? That is the Dunlap uh uh, J.H. Jimi Hendrix 3S. That's also an octave fuzz. And it's and it, it is definitely different than the Octavia. They behave... Is the Octavia an original Roger Mayer or is that a, uh, somebody else made a... It's the reissue. reissue. Uh, it's the reissue of the original. Um, of course, it's a battery... Uh, you know, it's true to the original mm-hmm. design being battery. Of course, we converted it. You know, to to work off his power supply. Now, what's what's what we're not seeing that's under the pedal? Because you have some of your uh, devices that you make at Tone Zone, right? What you're not seeing out there, and I will supply you with some better pictures so you can post those, Jeff, for our, your uh, listeners out there. Um, is in the front of the board where the array of the boss pedals are more as you're if you're facing the front of the board to your left is I made him a custom patch bay and basically the patch bay is uh, I took this uh, a a one and a quarter inch uh, rack panel and I custom cut it and drilled out and punched out the um the cavities to mount Neutrik locking mm-hmm. uh, quarter inch connectors because he's a touring musician and this is I mean it protects his cabling and anything from accidentally being dislodged during a performance so they don't come out till you take them out so there's that and, and they go to his guitar input which feeds the signal into his pe- uh, pedal board and each amp's output, amp one or amp A and A B, because I just mirrored what is on the Morley pedal, and then there's one more for his uh, foot switch 
to um, for the fender foot switch to his amp. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the far right of that panel is a Neutrik PowerCon connector, which is an AC connection. It, it supplies all the juice to um, uh, his entire power board, including the Morley pedal. Right. Now, I want to mention real quick, um, I've never seen these before, but these are so cool, these Neutrik uh, uh, locking quarter-inch. I've seen locking cannon, but these are cool because they lock. All my friends that are using systems and stuff that, you know, we get our, we, you know, somebody will tug on the cable or step on it and yanks it out. These don't come off. And these are really cool. And they have a little trigger to release them. I took a picture of some of her, the boxes that Tone Zone makes, and I'll show you that there'll be pictures of this. You got to check these out. They're really cool. Let me see that. If, if, I'll hand it to you. There you go. The, the Neutrik nice. uh, connectors, if, if you're playing out and you're gigging and you've ever experienced backing or someone catching your cable and now all of a sudden you're unplugged, then you definitely can appreciate the locking connectors. They save you from a nightmare or a small embarrassment and because accidents do happen um and they really are worth the money they're they're definitely more money than a standard quarter inch uh um connector a panel mount connector but they're i mean if your application is is you're doing this on a regular basis and you've had that type of accident happen before then they're definitely worth it for you have you seen one of those on a guitar those because that's usually where you lose it oh i know you know i think i have seen that on a guitar but i can't remember the manufacturer that actually was using it it. and i can't remember the manufacturer i've even seen it on an amp manufacturers also oh wow too very cool yeah very cool so they're different i mean he got a glimpse of that uh i explained what it was because we brought actually an example like you was sitting in front of you right now jeff uh and he he tried it out and he's i gotta have that you know and uh, (laughs) well with that system with the flanger and the harmonizer did you you have a buffered uh looper that you brought in did he have one of those put in the bottom no none of his signal is buffered um it but there's no switch between the two or they're all in line the flanger, the dual flanger harmonizer, since they have two different presets, it, are they switchable? They're or? all actually in line. And so he just physically turns right. on what he, he wants. He turns on what he wants. Very and, interesting. And he takes, uh, he takes just with one swipe of his foot, he has the harmon. This is why we paired them the way we did on the board so he could access and and hit them both simultaneously because that's how he uses them and i'd love uh, to hear that and uh as he was demoing the board he was he's he really is a master of the wawa pedal and i and 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 filtering and that sound and uh, i happen to have set certain a certain setting on his boss Ottawa and you know it was set fairly bright um mm-hmm. very Albert Collins or Albert King mm-hmm. that more of that ice pick sound and he turns to me and he says did you put those settings on there and I says 
yeah yeah that's I, and I just left it that way and he goes I really like that <laughs> and he goes you got a good ear and he left it and he started building his sound around that and he would it, a lot of his his central hub for his tone is definitely the Morley and the way he was using these effects was he was building this sound he had in his head based on phrases he would play mm-hmm. and they would go from one extreme of really cutting through in a very bright present manner to almost like a growling Hammond B3 on a wow. a, a like a Leslie sound and how he's able to achieve that is I watched him do and I, it's still a mystery to me well, what does he use the whammy for he actually set that for um, an octave setting, and 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 it barely kind of comes into the thing. It, again, these all these. So he doesn't settings, vary it. He just has it set as one thing he, and just turns. He it doesn't on. really vary it that much, and he kind of has it set, and it they're all in relationship to something else, including adjustments on his fuzzes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sort of listens to everything collectively and that is probably the best way to describe how he uses things now he may elect to use them more drastically mm-hmm. at certain mm-hmm. given things but at the time he was really sort of like adjusting these all to behave together um but judging See, part of doing his board was doing a little research on the artist. Um, and I remember watching a video of him playing in New Mexico somewhere, a concert. Mm-hmm. And I really was trying to get a sense of who he was as a guitar player and his tone and his sound. And really how important certain pedals were. So that's what, this is why I li- know a little bit more about kind of how he uses this stuff. Occasionally, he does use the pitch shifter as you would expect him to. You know, pitch shifting, you know, doing a third or a, a fourth. And, um, and same, with the, same with the whammy pedal. But, you know, that day of him actually, you know, utilizing his new board, it was a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Kind of like somebody making a stew mm-hmm. a gumbo or something it was it was really amazing to watch him do this um and that was another reason why i realized how important the morley pedal was well with the more just curiosity as you know like clapton and a lot of people when they were using the wah would just keep shuttling back you know wah 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 and it would play around it Whereas Hendrix used to use it as a variable filter and would like play. Well, how does how does Shorty use it? Does he use it like just in between, or is he always kind of like, you know, full throwing the pedal? He likes to use it in both manners. He'll use it where he knows he's going to get that sound, but he definitely uses this as, as a filter. So he does like almost like a, a mute for it because that's what it was originally supposed to sound like was like a trumpet mute. So he, when they open up the mute, so they would do this. So he would he'll gradually 
open it and close it as he's, opposed to just flutter it all the time. He's almost trying to create a sound that you you could almost buy another pedal to try to replicate, but he's doing it in increments oh, okay. with other pedals. Well, the reason I'm asking is because that's one of the things that Hendrix did is he used it as a tone control as opposed to, you know, the wah-wah-wah-wah thing. Oh, he definitely is using it as a tone control because when that, he... I'm thinking Hendrix he got the influence it, from that. That's when he lowers it, you can hear that's where that a lot of that ham and growl sound he gets is, mm-hmm. is, is coming from. And... Um, uh, so yes, to answer your question. Okay, so yeah, so that, but he does. He definitely uses as a traditional Wawa too. You know, right? Well, you notice pack. he also has the auto wah. So yeah, and he leaves that on pretty much. Wow. Um, and because when you, if you, anybody who's for, familiar with an auto wah or an envelope filter, um, by another name, is uh, the harder you hit it the more the effect becomes pronounced. Yeah. Um, and and especially if you set it the way, you know, to an extreme setting, you're, you're definitely going to get that result from you. Um, it's, and, you know, I think that's kind of how he uses it. I mean, I can't say for 100% sure, because, um, but during the course of the afternoon he was definitely leaving it on and it was i'm adding things to it to get to this right. point so. so the harder he picks the more it opens up and it's it, it it gives you a lot of creative possibilities just in how you're yeah your playing technique yeah and definitely that and he uses his fuzz in relationship to that i'm i'm he doesn't there's nothing extreme that i was listening to like we tend to as guitar players when we get a new pedal especially if it's an overdrive or a fuzz it's like well let's see what this thing can do and we'll go all the way to the right and next thing you know we're you know we're like in you know it's 1969 we think we're you know at albert hall you know um but uh now he the the system too is there's no true bypass. You're literally running everything. That's straight. all in line. So it, it has, it, which that signal, if you want to call it degradation, actually, it's, you know, to me, it's part of the sound. It's part of the sound. And at this point, I didn't see any need to disturb who he was already because he's, this was something, I was trying to get him back to as much a whole with a little extra. And the of course the extra was what he asked me to put on there. But you didn't see any need. There wasn't any need with the signal path to buffer anywhere along the chain because there's there's one two three four five six seven just on the top row alone, and then you have the wah one two three four five on the bottom. So you got twelve pedals. There's not a there there. It was okay. There wasn't a significant loss. It. I told him. I said, I. The I would suggest at this point go out and use it because he does toggle between single coil and humbuckers. So a buffer is a subjective thing in the sense that um, sometimes it is desperately needed because you are losing high end and... Um, and it can be interpreted as a signal gain, even a signal gain loss. Um, 
And other times it can actually, uh, capacitance loss from long cable can actually aid in the tone of certain guitars if they're naturally bright Mm -hmm. with AKA Telecasters and Stratocasters. So depending on how you're actually using your rig, it's best to listen first and then decide, well, I'm just not getting the the high end that I'm missing this, then it's just definitely time to add a, a buffer somewhere in the chain, whether it's the input or maybe even strategically at some other point at the, at the signal chain. It can be even nearer to the output mm-hmm. of them. Um, you know, it, it, and at this, and he, since he had never had a buffered signal there in the first place, Rather than just start making, you know, changing significant things. Because also, too, as I listen to the Morley pedal, the, and especially the way he uses it, it, it can get extremely bright at times, even with humbuckers. And um, with a buffer there, it, it might be to the point where we're talking shrill. Okay. And... Um, because if you're familiar with that particular power wah, and, and and I needed to ask him this too. It says like, hey, when I engage the wah portion of this, it it really gets bright to the point, thin and bright to where it's almost unlistenable. And he goes, that's the power wah, and he goes, that's normal. And so I knew I assumed he knew what he was talking about and it was consistent like, like whether it was in the signal chain or he used mm-hmm. it separately so that was, was another reason why we went with that pedal and not the the 9 volt p- power mm-hmm. wah that was considerably less bright so depending that you know with that that being the case I just said well it's probably better to err on the side of caution and not do it and mm-hmm. let him get used to it and and so if he decided at a later point it's like well I'm just I'm turning up the treble on my amp well then it's maybe it's time for a buffer at that point right. and we can install that you I know? remember that with an old Morley I had too I remember how thin it got how tinny yeah yeah it, it really has quite a range of travel and right. tonal capabilities and I'm you know, it's not like any other wall I've ever, yeah. you know, played around with, and uh, and maybe that's because it functions as a volume pedal as well. Right. Um, but you can really, if you go too far past that threshold, you are really like getting shrill, just downright yeah. shrill. Now, does and, he sing too? Yes, he does. This must be a show because I mean, there's so many pedals on that board. He must be dancing. That yeah, and yeah. Playing, with, playing with the toggles and everything on his guitar. Well, he must have tube. he must have big feet to hit those two <laughs> to hit those two pedals at the he same time. He does have a pretty big. There's a lot foot. of choreography there. <laughs> and um and and he was and and it was thank God he told me he was left footed because that may, just makes so much sense <laughs> right. to have the wah on the left side and right. the and the whammy Small pedal. Small detail. Now, right? now, now Kathy, do me a favor and just go through. 
looking at the pedal board, show me the how the order of the pedals where they're going. I presume the wads at the end. Well, the signal comes into the guitar end, which is on the patch bay, which is on the other side of the board. Right. And that goes directly into the power wall. Um, oh, so the power wall is first. It's first. Wow. Okay, that's very interesting. And that's what I was taught. That you should put that first. No, I, I mean, I, well, I've heard both. So a lot of people now use the wall after all the distortion and all the stuff. And then what comes after that? Overdrive? The What comes after that is the um, tuner. The tuner. The tuner. And then after the tuner, it was going into the whammy pedal. And then after the whammy pedal... It was, if I remember correctly, we were going into the fuzzes. I think the Octavia was first, See, and then I the. I thought the fuzzies were a little bit closer to the beginning. Um, they're after the tuner. After the tuner. They're after the tuner, and after the the wawa, the whammy pedal. That's interesting. So he's using it after because there was a lot of debate on how Hendrix used his sound, and he, I think he did it both ways. But a lot of most people say the classic Hendrix was. The 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 well the wall went in and the fuzz was the last stage. I think the fuzz face was the last stage going oh, to the amps. But it's interesting because so he's going to the Octavia to the Dunlop to the the Tube Screamer, right? Is that the then sequence? the Tube Screamer? Then it goes to the Auto Wall, uh huh, and then it goes back to the um, compressor, and then it goes straight down the line from the first. Uh, I think it's the harmonist pedal then the first flanger which is a bf2 right and then the then the um super shifter and then it goes into the second which is a bf3 which is and by the way these two flangers are completely different they may both be purple and they both both be boss but they don't sound like each other at all are they the same Um, model or are they a different model um, no, BF2, BF3. BF, BF2 and the BF3. Okay. Um, so their voice, definitely different. And then from the final flanger into the digital delay, and then, of course, out to his Morley AB switch, and then they go to, respectively, amp A and amp B. So I noticed that the the uh, compressor's all the way to the right. Was that a problem going from the... Uh, you're going from the the Ottawa to the compressor, then to the flanger harmonizers. I mean, is it is it because it's on the it, other is side? Is it a pain in the neck for the tech? Of yeah. course. <laughs> and then we're we're at what? That's po- what they pay me for. <laughs> and at, and the digital delay is the last thing out, right? So it goes the, to the two amps, right? And that, well, the digital delay goes straight into the input of the Morley AB switch. Okay. And then from the Morley AB switch, it goes right to the. The patch bay amp A out and amp B out. Is he running both of them like a stereo thing, or is he, he's not running stereo? He's, he's not switching. running. He's not really running stereo because none of the effects are wired stereo. He's just running both amps simultaneously, and he. It appears that he sets them up individually. Any boost for a lead? No boost for leads. He's being the only guitar player in the band. He's he's the show. Yeah. Well, that's not true because that uh, he on the road. I did see he does have a rhythm guitar players, but um, but he can 
also use the Morley as a yeah. So I would uh, think he would use that as a boost because it's, it's a volume, volume pedal yeah. too. Yeah. Once you've disengaged the wah, it is a volume pedal. Right. So it's you're exactly. up and down and. And sometimes when he's using it in that capacity, it looks like he's doing a wah thing, but he's not really. He's doing something else. And, you know, you'll see him occasionally adjust the power boost. Because yeah. that particular... Well, that can function kind of like a buffer, but he can also overdrive. Well, that's his boost, really. Yeah. And and he can use the compressor as a boost. But it's not a problem. It's not overdriving the pedals where he's getting undesirable distortion. No, and I didn't really see him use the tube scream in that way too. But then, you know, I don't I I, I don't think I saw everything that he's capable of doing and everything that he is doing. Right. Um, um What what's that little switch that's got like a silver side and it's got two little push pulls? On it next to the next to the Morley between the Morley and the Octavia. The Morley. below the uh, two the below the tube screamer and below the 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 uh, was it the JH three S. Oh, okay, that is his Fender foot switch for channel mm-hmm. and uh, reverb. So his his amp has channel switching. Mm-hmm. There's your gain difference. Yeah, and he only elects to use one of them on the board. Uh, but does that do both amps? No, it's just using one. It's just wired for one amp, you know. So he, he just, didn't want he the just, other one on. He there. just channel switches one amp. That's right. interesting. Yeah, if he's running them simultaneously, he right. Might, so even though he might have more gain on one amp, he still gets the clean. So right. Yeah. Very interesting. Ooh, I like that. Well, I mean, that's one of the things you would see a lot of yeah. guys. In the studio, yeah. they'll play really full blown out, and then they'll lay a track, or they'll run the guitar direct into the board clean, and they'll just right. mix it in to give right. it some articulation. Yeah. So that's pretty. That's that's yes, he knows his stuff. I mean, that's pretty ingenious, and he basically gave you direction. He told you what he wanted and stuff. He gave me a little freedom um, to do it, but you know, at Tone Zone, we're really about the client is right, right. is is the this is the reason we're doing this we're it's about service old fashioned service like mm-hmm. for me i mean i could have he gave me some freedom to, to, to even change what he what he was about before but you know and and in some ways i did i mean um but the main thing was to get him kind of back to where he was, what he was familiar with. And the, it's like, I, I chose the order of which flanger and shifter was going to go first. And, okay, it's a small thing, but honestly, um, they're significantly different. And I don't know if he had them in reverse order before. And, but he, since he had the pedals, he just was. It's like, well, let's put this on there, you know, and you know, made a suggestion is like where the two screamers should sit, and he goes, let's do that. So, so a great much of uh, input came from him because he he doesn't know what he wants, and and some of it came from us, um, but it was really about enhancing just who he was already as an artist. Yeah, it's a, it, it's an interesting design and also to it it's ergonomically really cool because 
the way you have it set up with the uh, the way the flanger harmonizer so like for example he can hit both at the same time but the layout's very clean and neat it's not as if you look at when you see the picture of his older pedal board it's kind of you know, there's cables all over. It's kind of haphazard. Well, that's this where the woman's from. touch comes in. <laughs> yes. And, 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 of course, I sent him photos so he could, you know, get an idea what it was going to look like. The, the only thing he told me that was significant, that he was left-footed, and, of course, it made 100% sense to put the Morley on the left side yeah. and the whammy pedal. Um, because they're going to get used, uh, especially the morally frequency, and you're left-footed. It just makes sense. The rest of it, he kind of gave me the freedom to put where I thought it ought to be ergonomically and the way his playing style. Mm-hmm. And he just ended up really liking it and saying, yeah, that's that really works for me. So, um, and hopefully it, it's doing just that as he's out on the road right now. Yeah. Now, that's one of the things hopefully we're going to have him back later in the year. And I want to hear how it worked for him and to see the feedback. Because I think that's kind of interesting because putting it on the road, playing the different stuff that he does, it really has a lot of, you know, the demands of the of his, you know, repertoire and stuff. It's going to really show, you know the design if you know the success of the design um real quick we're almost out of time i want to talk a little bit about talk a little bit about these boxes that you brought in some of the kind of trademark custom things that you guys build well you're the one you're i'm holding now uh <laughs> I'm is, to her, so. we 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 call it we affectionately call it the pedal board junction box and essentially what this is is um it's an interface um, for your guitar in and your amp out. And basically the guitar in is fed into a send that goes to your first pedal. And of course the return comes from your last pedal's output. And that of course feeds your amp out. Kind of like you would normally. But it becomes an interface. And well, you, okay, Mr. Mister or Mrs. Average Guitar Play go, well, why do I need that? Well, if you're using, um, if you have a great many pedals or using a pedal train board or you have a looper and real estate uh, becomes very important and you're in, if you're, especially if you're using a looper, you have to get into the looper and you got to get out of the looper. Well, sometimes you're, you have your pedals so close mounted in, you can't get in there live in situations. So that's where the interface becomes a real life but it has some really cool things it has an accessory outlet well we built this to show people what we were talking about and so they can you know there's nothing like seeing it you know like oh yes if i call it something and tell you try to describe it it's like it's like empty space right (laughs) but if you show people what they are and you know in this thing we gave them options we could do like the locking connectors which you brought and also this the one i'm holding is has an ac connector called uh neutric power con and uh, you know many people don't know what this is well this actually is takes ac from the wall and feeds power in there and it's a, it becomes a locking connector so Oftentimes, what we'll do these on a lot of people that uh, find that they have a desperate need for this um, is 
you know, if you instead of using an IEC cable that or a computer cord, you mm-hmm. know, which you can yank out again, right. a power con will lock in there, and we'll either hardwire an IEC cord to your power supply, or will and or provide you with a courtesy outlet like this one does, you know. And let's say you have a pedal that you need um, that is has an AC cord like. Guitar Shorty's mm-hmm. uh, Power Wah. This is an AC cable cord. There's no two ways. You're not getting around that. So you got to plug it into something. And if you don't have that, well, we can provide that in the board. That's too um, cool. And, and you also have here the the loop. We're almost out of time. I want to catch all the because they custom make this stuff. So you can get all these like really cool gadgets. What Jeff just handed me is we call this the nine volt split. And basically, these are for also we kind of do these for like do it yourselfers. So um, for people that. You know, let's. They want to put their own board and their own way together, but you know, because it's very expensive to do this, and you know, what we understand, uh, you can get these things from us. And the this is a nine volt split. It just takes a nine volt uh, input and splits it into three outputs. Uh, I don't recommend this for uh, like uh, splitting three distortion units or anything with gain. Uh, compressor fuzzes stuff but if you have like reverbs delays modulation stuff like that you're pretty safe to split that because now you're not you know sharing grounds just but usually for gain pedals and stuff you want your own tap but if you run out of room and you need to split and use that last tap and you got more pedals that's it it's a very cool one and then the last one last thing that i like the name on this one the loop juicer the loop juicer is actually (laughs) we were at we were doing the pedal show at uh lonnie's um the guy who does the amp show one year and a you know person came up and says, "Can you build something that goes that takes my reverbs and delays and goes back to my effects loop in my amp?" And I go, "Yeah, I suppose we could do that." So that got me thinking, and I thought, "Well, yeah, I could build a box just with inputs and outputs, but that's just a box with inputs and outputs." Like, well, how? Why don't we make it into something? And I we came up with this idea. It takes your the signal from your effects, you know, your delays or reverbs, and in order to send them back to your amp, well, generally, your pedal board's going to be a good 15, 20 feet from your amp. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the minimum cable, let's say the, the guitar center cable you're going to buy, it's going to be 25 feet. Well, that's 25 feet times two. So now you're going to lose a little high end if you're playing a Les Paul or something with humbuckers. That's where the loop super loose juicer. How much gain? Up. How much gain is that? Is it? Well, that's the the juicer actually has a buffer circuit on the output, which helps you restore that high end you're losing. From but it, how many end. dB is it? Or do um, you know? It's it, it's not really rec- It's not really tied into dB. The buffer is like any buffered circuit. The other thing on the, the juice, this particular uh, prototype is I've got a foot switch on here and it has a gain control. And that is, it's labeled boost. And that is really, if you have vintage effects like old um, Boss DM2s or Ibanez pedals mm-hmm. where 
or phase shifters or tremolos that drop the volume down significantly, you know who you are out there. Um, um, that's you engage the boost to bring back up to unity gain, especially if you're playing clean. You right, drop it. Right. Oh man, that just sounds like where did my signal go? So that's really what that's for. And this is custom. We can do it with or without it. Yeah, um, you build, you make to we order. Can, yeah, we can just do the buffer, or we we can do both, or whatever you need. So if you want an interface to put your modulation effects back to your amp, there give you Tone Stone a call. And We're out of time. Thank you so much for coming down. It's always great to see you here. Real quick, Mon- Monica, Monique, <laughs> Monica. St. Augustine's mother. <laughs> I did. Thank God I didn't have to say looper booster. Oh, you wait till the show's over. Yeah. Anyway, but anyway, let us know. Let people know how to get a hold of you for custom work, uh, guitar work, amp work. Yes. Tolexing. Uh, She's I, the uh, only purple Tolexer I know of in the universe. <laughs> Real quick. I, I'm sure I'm not, but I'm over at Valley Sound. Um, anything you need for guitars or amps, uh, I I'm there, and I have some. Contact phone number that I or work with, yeah. Uh, text me at eight one eight three zero nine zero seven eight one, or you can get me at uh, momo dot at gmail dot com, uh, and or you can contact Jeff here at the station. <laughs> yeah. So, and then uh, www Check out the site. You can see some of the boxes we're talking about. And real quick, uh, any upcoming gigs with Lynette? Yes, we. Well, the next upcoming gig what we have that's local here is our uh, seven of us gals. I think it's seven in Lynette Skinner are all Sagittarius's, mm-hmm. and of course that's a huge excuse to party for us. So uh, we are going to have a Sagittarius birthday bash for us gals. I think it's illegal to have that many gals. I'm not sure, but we are going to be scary. Viva Cantina. They will be horsing around. There you go. Yeah, we'll be at Viva Cantina on December 10th, um, celebrating our Sagittarius uh, birthday bash. So come out and see us. Viva Cantina is on Riverside Drive in Maine, across from Pickwick. So we'll look for you and come party and. Say happy birthday to all of us, and especially if you're sad, just you better be there. Yes. All right. And everybody, we will be back with Kathy and also with Guitar Shorty. We'll be- definitely be doing a follow-up show on that, so stay tuned for that. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye.